0: Welcome to the Disruptive Mindset podcast. Join me, Emma Jones, as we take a deep dive behind the scenes of executives and leaders in the IT and the tech industries. We'll find out about their models for success, lessons they've learned, and what makes them disruptive in their businesses and sectors, and ultimately find out how it can help us. Enjoy. On this episode of the Disruptive Mindset Podcast, we were delighted to be joined by Sylvia menstroff poulet the SVP of Banking and Payments in Europe for FIS. With an extensive background in the payments industry, Sylvia has been boasted as one of the top 10 most influential women in the payments in 2022. She is also an advisory board member of the Payments Association and a founding member of the European Women's Payment Network which promotes diversity within the industry. We tapped into her experience for all things payments, discussed the importance of financial literacy, and talked about how we can support women coming into and progressing through the industry. Tune into this episode to hear of her fantastic insights. for coming on this morning sylvia and um this is obviously the disruptive uh, podcast that we've been running um it has very much a the theme around the fintech side of stuff but this is more about you about your career choices you, you know and you know the journey that you've taken through life really so you've got a really interesting interesting journey and we, we want to dig into that today so, so um so tell me when you when you sort of first went through school, and you you know you went to university and then sort of popped out the government, did you have a defined direction that you knew you wanted to go? <laughs> so my uh,
1: my journey into payments, because uh, I, I've been working in payments, is quite a a strange one because I studied organic chemistry, uh, and I studied organic chemistry because I was incredibly inspired by Marie Curie. And uh, if you don't know about Marie Curie, she lived an incredible life, right? She uh, she emigrated from Poland to study on the so at the Sorbonne as one of the only women studying there, and she studied chemistry and physics. And she ended up marrying a professor there, Curie, and together they went on to discover radioactivity. And there was a beautiful uh, uh, biography written by her daughter, Eva Curie, which I read and I thought, oh, I'm going to dedicate my life to science. Really? (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I I went on to study organic chemistry and I really enjoyed studying organic chemistry. But about like a year in, I kind of went, maybe this is not me, maybe. I need to figure something else out. So then in the later years of my study, I combined it. I, I combined organic chemistry with a master in business administration, um, which I really enjoyed. And then my husband and I started up our own company ah. selling um uh chemical glassware. Uh, but you know, early years was quite difficult. My husband, and this is late. Uh, 90s beginning of the millennium uh, and there was a lot of jobs in IT so my husband went on and got a job in at an IT firm and uh, I kind of thought, from doing this on my own it's not really my thing which is when I saw an advert for Chipper and Chipper is the um, was the the card do you remember when they put the the chip on your card and you had like an e-purse on it Anyway, the day I remembered a, a, um, uh, a reading that we had at university about this and I thought, oh, you know, that sounds cool. So I applied. And to this day, I don't know why they hired me because I knew literally nothing about anything. Anyway, they hired me and that's how I kind of rolled into payments. So, you know, you asked me, did I have a plan? <laughs> it's been. But you walked through the door. <laughs> I walked through the door, and that's what I would say. It's, you know, like we have these conversations at the moment quite a bit with my two boys, who are both going to. Uh, well, hopefully, knock on wood, finish the year and make a choice in terms of university. So you know, you never know where you're going to end, and you don't know whether you find something interesting until you walk through that door, because something. When you don't know a lot about it, looks quite narrow. But you walk through a door, and it's like Alice in Wonderland—a whole new, um, yeah, a whole new world opens up for you. And yeah. that's what I found in Payments. I really enjoyed
0: Payments. That's why I stayed in it. Do you do you think that's why you? I mean, because at the moment you're sort of in the top ten list of you know the most influential women in fintech. Or you've been voted in the top in the top 10, which is a huge achievement, right? It's a huge achievement. Um, I mean, do you think that's why you've stayed in it and you've done so well? Well, I think I think I've
1: always so so it's a combination of different things. Um, I think the people that I found working with I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. the customers I really enjoyed, and then I also think that working in payments is something that. It's IT, if financial technology, but it touches your life every day. You know, mm-hmm. I pay. I, I joke that I enjoy to pay, uh, but what I enjoy is the experience of it because it informs me about what works and what doesn't work, uh, and and so I think being part of the payment ecosystem, I is what's kept me here because it's a very enjoyable, very interesting. Part of financial technology. Uh, and it's also very collaborative because at the end of the day, when you need to make the money flow, you have to work together. And it really doesn't matter whether you are each other's competitors or not. You have to make it work, otherwise the money doesn't flow. And you know I think that's that makes it that that's is very collaborative.
0: Yes, yeah, so say say a little bit more about. I mean, how does that all sort of fit together on a day-to-day basis? I mean, do you all sort of come together on forums? I mean, what does that look like? There's
1: quite a, there's quite a lot of forums and quite a lot of different working groups. So I'm part of the um, UK Payments Association, mm-hmm. which is really bringing together a lot of different parties in mm-hmm. in the UK, um, and that works slightly different than, for example, I'm on the advisory board of the Dutch Payments Association. Which is much more of a regulatory body, you know, very recognized by uh, also also by the by the government. So so there is a lot of these bodies where where people come together to agree standards, to agree how to work together, and then also to agree with each other what to do when things go wrong, right? Because it, it, when you think about a payment, you you know most people, yeah. You know, 99% of the time things go go well, but what do you do when it goes wrong, when there's fraud, when a payment goes missing, got hold, right? Um, and it's really important to have a, a rule book because the payment's been handled by many different parties, to agree what to do when things go wrong, who's liable, whose responsibility is it, where can a consumer or a business call to get things uh, things fixed? So that there was a lot that goes into into what happens. And then everybody kind of, you know, like at the simplest, which is why I talk about a world opens up for you. At its simplest, a payment is moving money from one account to the other. But there are mm-hmm. so many different ways that can go and so many different ways it can flow that there there is a lot of things to always kind of consider. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And so what do you you see is the biggest challenge at the moment? So what what is taking most people's energy? So I think there are two big challenges. Uh, One is regulation.
1: So there's a huge amount of regulation and some of the regulation sometimes is almost um, antagonistic. So, for example, you've got money laundering regulation where you have to make sure that you have a lot of KYC regulation where you need to make sure that you control payments, you you check where they're coming from, where they're going to. You need to know a lot of information. And then there's privacy regulation, which almost, you know, holds you back on asking too many questions. And so, so kind of marrying these up is quite a challenge. And there's a lot of investment that goes into it. And the other part is really technology and keeping up with it. Um, and this is not just true for uh, anybody in payments, but in in financial technology. Uh, kind of going back to my childhood, I wanted to be an archaeologist um, when when I was little. I thought that was going to be fantastic, digging for old cities. And I sometimes feel like I'm an archaeology, but that but then of technology again because. You know, we've built layers and layers and layers and layers upon technology just because it's really difficult to rebuild from the ground up. It's almost the ancient Rome, right? You go to Rome, you find that at the end of the day, the water still flows through some of the pipes that the Romans put there 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of where we are when it comes to technology. It's We've built these layers up and yeah. it's just really difficult
0: to keep keep all of it making sense and, and, and working through that. Well, I I think that's so interesting, and you're absolutely right because it is. It's just like putting layers upon layers upon layers, and you've then then you've not only created the problem that you've got this bit here, you've got all the legacy systems as well. It's like, oh, how is that going to work with that? You know, yeah. uh, Or uh, short term solutions, right? Never build a short term solution because it will not be short term. Yeah. No. God, that's so true. Absolutely true. So, what about you, as 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 an individual? I mean, you know, you, you you've come through. You've been in this industry for a really, really long time. Um, you know, what advice would you have for people in, you know, who were coming into the industry, especially sort of women coming into the industry, you know, because you're, you're sort of a leading light out there. Ooh, I always get embarrassed when somebody said that. <laughs>
1: um, so there, there are so many great people uh, around in this industry. Um, so first of all, I, I would say, you know, don't, uh, don't let anybody tell you it's too complicated. It, it you know you it's it's something that you can learn you can't study payments at university but there are enough people you start asking them questions they will explain how things work and then i've always been of the opinion that it's best to jump in at the deep end because you'll just have to swim uh so so that's my advice right don't hesitate just, Jump in and you know, and somebody will, will also throw you maybe a little board to hold on to and things like like that. But then get involved. There are so many different ways that you can get involved to uh, to build a network. So these the these payments associations, whether they're in the UK, across Europe, or in, in a country, don't just work at your company, but get involved in in these associations. Because that way you can build a network, you can contribute um, and and get it going. And then when it comes to women, uh, so when I first joined uh, financial technology, you know, I used to be usually the only woman um, in the room in meetings, um, you know, like I've had meetings where um, this was at a bank that I was presenting on something but we were sitting down and the um uh, the the lunch lady comes in with the trolley yeah. and she walked all the way around and she I just served lunch. <laughs> and I'm like what do you mean? She clearly assumed that I was the secretary that I had ordered the lunch. Right? So yeah. uh, assumptions. Um, but, but, uh, it's it's become better over the last couple of years, more women uh, being around. So you're no longer the only woman in in the room, but we're still about twenty eighty. So there's a lot to do. So I set up the European Women Payments Network a couple of years ago with some women to really create the opportunity for women to uh, get on stage for the first time and speak in a panel. Uh, and that has been super, super rewarding. We are uh, organizing our uh, annual conference again after two years of COVID uh, on the 28th and 29th of November in Amsterdam. I would say, come join the movement, uh, it's fantastic. And and there the, are the, 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 the two things on it. One is I'm really passionate about having men be part of it because I think men, absolutely and, and sometimes we do this, we make them feel like they're part of the problem. But I firmly believe men are not part of the problem. They're part of the solution. I I don't think, you know, men living today have created the disparity. It's just the way it is. And if we all, you know, band together to change it, then we can do that. So it's really important to make men feel that they're part of the solution. And and they want to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. They all have wives or sisters, mothers, you know, colleagues daughters that they deeply care about and and so men are really important and then the other thing in terms of when you're when you're a woman and building your career I strong, feel very strongly about I feel that women are hugely over coached and undersponsored right over mentored over coached and undersponsored and what do I mean by that right women get a lot of advice about you know what to say, and how to say it, and how to appear, and how to present themselves so that they come across more powerful. Um, And I I tell most women, you know what? You actually, I believe you know what to say, and I believe you know how to present yourself. That's not the problem. I think you need to understand the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. There's nothing bad with mentorship, right? I love to mentor people. but sponsorship was was really the key to my career it's understanding that the most important things happen when you're not in the room and that is hugely important to somebody in that room that will put you up for an opportunity that will say something good about you that will will promote you mm. it's very different than sponsorship uh, than mentorship right night that, that made a huge difference to my career mm-hmm. when I understood when I can't. And for the life of me, I can't remember who told me this because I thought it was oh shame. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah it was,
1: it, it was annoying. But it was completely career altering yeah. because that helped me understand that. Hmm, you know what? I actually need to ask for sponsorship instead of asking for mentorship. And it's a completely different conversation and really turned my career into a completely different path.
0: It's all yeah I I mean I really hear that it's almost like giving somebody you giving them the narrative about you so when you're not in the room they understand but it's, but it's empowering the person to be who the person is you know yes. not as in you need to be the stereotype and you need to do this when you're presenting it's about like who are you what can you give to the situation and how do you want to brand yourself as, as, as being you know as as being the real person, because people buy people, don't they, you know, at the end of the day. I think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely brilliant bit of advice um, to give people. Well, and I,
1: and I, I think one of the examples, and I think you give this example, is the best, has been your authentic self, right? When when we connected, I looked at you and I thought, oh, here's somebody who's really authentic, who's, you know, powerful, but centered and comfortable in themselves. And it's not it's not bad to be uncomfortable, right? I've been uncomfortable many times, but even when you're uncomfortable, knowing that you've got the strengths to be you and that it's fine to be you, I think that's...
0: Yes. You know, you give that example as well, Emma. So yeah. Well, I think I think it's interesting to be to be able to turn up and work and be you. Um, I think you know because I I, I uh, had imposter syndrome for many many years. I think lots of people live with it. You know, and then all of a sudden we get to a certain point. And we go, I'm not living with that anymore. You know, I'm not an imposter. And I turn up. You know, it's something that uh, you know I've worked with people around, and it's uh, one of those things. So I think being authentic is absolutely. Uh, absolutely key in this world you know
1: absolutely and then the good advice uh, who is it like that gives, uh, oh I fake it till you make it
0: oh god yeah I use it all the time <laughs> oh my god yeah absolutely so um I think that's a, I think that's wonderful I think you've got so many really rich things that you've just uh said there um in uh, uh for, for helping you know people think about you know, walking through doors, be your authentic self, um, you know, and, and, you know, turn up and learn. I think that that's absolutely brilliant. And diversity of thought. I, I really like that. I think men, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think men aren't the problem. Men are part of the solution. And I think, you know, I think, as you know, and I'm, I'm a big believer in diversity of thought. If you've got more people from lots of different directions coming in, oh my God, you're going to have an amazing solution that comes out at the end of it. You've got all the same type of people thinking in the same direction. You're never gonna get the solution that, that yeah. could have been brilliant, you know. I'm
1: I'm I'm believing in that. Exactly. But that's that's you know, kind of talking about some of the things that are great about the payments industries. There's a lot of cultural uh differences in the way that people think about money, right? And to me, money is such an interesting concept. And I don't know whether we talked about this, but I read this brilliant, I'm just getting it out really brilliant quote that I put. um, ah, Let me find it, let me find it. Uh, Here we go, albums. Let me bring up, I love this quote about money. It's actually, there's something wrong with that. It's a great book by Yuval Harari, who's a beautiful anthropologist and writer, Israeli writer, and he wrote a book called Sapiens, a short history, of humankind it really talks about where do we come from and why are we different than other mammals, right? So yeah. what, what makes us, you know, what makes our brains so big and us have all these ideas? And so there's a whole subject about money and he talks about the concept of money because obviously we invented money to trade. And so he says, for thousands of years philosophers, thinkers and prophets have besmirched money and called it the root of all evil. Be that as it. By the way, it's not money that is the root of of of, of all evil. It's yeah. the love yeah. of money. So that's the one thing oh, okay. that's wrong. Yeah. About this. Right? Uh, <clears throat> getting me back here. Sorry. That's okay. You take your time. <laughs> so be that as it may, money is also the apogee of human tolerance. Money is more open-minded than language, state law, cultural codes, religious beliefs and social habit. Money is the only trust system created by humans that can bridge almost any cultural gap and that does not discriminate on the basis of religion, gender, race, age or sexual orientation. Thanks to money, even people who don't know each other and don't trust each other can nevertheless cooperate effectively.
0: Brilliant. And what does that mean to you? Well, it to me, down me. To me
1: it, it means that money, if we can, if we can make the money flow, right, which is ultimately trade, right, as people exchanging value, I strongly believe that the, the deeper trade ties are between people, the less violence, the less war. Because if you think about it, there are three basic ways that I can get what you have. Three basic ways. Marriage. Mm-hmm. Been used many many times uh, to get what somebody wanted. It's obviously not something that you can do a lot of, right? Or it becomes very uh, expensive. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second way I can get what you've got is violence in its many forms, right? Between war, fraud, theft. Think about it. Um. But violence is usually quite expensive. It's quite risky to do, and it can up, end up destroying the very thing that you're trying to get, right? So the third way is trade Mm -hmm. and exchange of value. And for that, we've come up with this concept of money. And so the easier we make it for people to trade, the easier we can make the money flow, I believe the better ultimately the world becomes because where there are strong trade ties, you know, war is not very convenient. so that's why I hate some of the geopolitical things that are happening that are Mm. making trade more difficult. I know. the, The more global trade, the better. Now, the important thing is, though, at the same time, we need to help people understand how money works. So I'm very passionate about financial education and financial inclusion. And financial inclusion starts with helping people understand how money works. And when you think about the education system. The education system doesn't spend a lot of time educating children about how money works. Mm. So my children, for example, get a lot of economics at school, Mm -hmm. so they are taught about macroeconomics and, and so forth, but they're not taught how to balance a household book. So, in the past, we would teach girls how to balance the household yeah. books. Now we're teaching nobody how to balance a household book. We should teach everybody how to balance the household book, how to earn money, save money, spend money, you know, invest money, and balance a household book. and and, and you know when when you educate somebody about money, you give them a lot of freedom. You give them the ability to create their own wealth. Uh, and ultimately, uh, somebody that is financially included, somebody that understands how money works is going to be more likely not upending poor. And that way also, I believe you can break some of the cycles of poverty that we, we have, whether in the developing world or in the, yeah. um, uh, you know, in in the UK or in the Netherlands.
0: Yeah, no, I, I believe that. I mean, because money gives you choice, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't, you know, there's a certain limit and you, you go beyond it, okay, it's sort of, but actually it gives you choice in life. And I think, and I agree with that. Maybe we should start a movement, <laughs> you know, and start getting it out there. No, because I absolutely agree with that. I think if you understand how it works, you understand, you know, what it means to save, what it means to spend, what it means to take credit, you know, and you start, but I believe that in everything. You start... Teaching kids, you know, at, at at a certain age about this sort of stuff, um, then then absolutely, you know, it gives them more choice. It gives them more empowerment. Um, to, you know, to have to live their own lives, whatever somebody decides to do. You know, I, I'm at, you know, but in
1: um, in a digital world, um, actually managing that to some extent becomes easier. To another extent, becomes more difficult. It's kind of funny for me, of me saying that because I've spent all my life you know, with the goal of digitalizing money, right? I have no cash. I've always thought cash was a stupid thing. Cash is expensive. It's dangerous, right? So I spend all my life digitalizing money. The problem with digital money is, think about a payment, right? When you're a little kid, you get five guilders or five euros and you go and you get an ice cream. You give the ice cream, they give you the ice cream, You get a couple of coins back. I remember my little girl thinking, "Oh, I got more money back and an ice cream." I'm like, no, 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 no. That was five. This is two. You just spent three, <laughs> right? But that is, we are still very physical beings. That physical exchange is super um, important mm. um, because that helps you understand that there has been an exchange of value now in a digital world it's much harder for people to understand and children to understand that you're still you know you're still losing something when you just tap your card and and so i think there is an even bigger need to educate people on on financial health mm-hmm. and how to manage their money in in a digital environment and so almost right there's a huge advantage to digitalization And as we drive towards that advantage, I think we really need to manage the disadvantage that comes with it, Mm -hmm. which is you could leave people behind because they're just not digitally savvy. Mm -hmm. Or you have all these triggers that then cause people to get into a very financially unhealthy state because in a digital world, it's just much easier to Spend all your money. Oh my god!
0: On my phone, I'm doing it all the time. You know, oh ping, oh ping, oh ping. I mean, I see where it goes. But it doesn't stop me from pinging on my phone every two seconds. No, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. So, um, <laughs> listen, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today it really really has and i think there's some some amazing nuggets that uh, that you've given the world today so i'm going to make sure that uh, everybody hears this <laughs> so um uh, yeah
1: I'll, I'll uh likewise emma yeah. and i look forward to meeting up and having that cup of coffee and uh, and, and, and the lunch maybe hey oh, God, yeah. no, it's got to, got
0: to be a lunch absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah you have a brilliant day thanks for coming on